Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. I absolutely love this because, you know, if you own a home, it can be really hard to maintain. It's hard to find people that can help you for a big project or a small. Well, whether it's in everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality, it can be hard just to know where to start. But now all you need to do is answer that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish. Or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps, because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. As Fernando Alonso was being strapped into his Aston Martin on Sunday evening, it's possible he had a quick reflection of his career so far. The two-time world champion had repeatedly failed to find the same success Renault had given him in 2005 and 6. He hadn't won a race since 2013. He had retired from the sport altogether in 2018. But he was back, and his Aston was fast. A new chapter begins in Bahrain for Fernando Alonso and the rest of the Formula One grid. Will some teams redeem themselves of last year's mistakes? Will others learn from their failures? Will one rise above the rest to dominate again? The 2023 F1 season starts now. Welcome to the Donut Racing Show, everybody, where we bring a dorm room liquor mindset to the great Gatsby-looking-ass podium of Formula One racing. I'm Nolan Sykes. I did not stack any liquor bottles in my dorm room. (laughs) Okay. But we did have a breakfast at Tiffany's poster. Audrey Hepburn. I'm joined by my two co-hosts, my favorite auto journalists. We got Elizabeth Blackstock and Alanis King in studio this week. Hello. That's wild. We exist. We're in person. That's Real right. people. We're not just talking heads on a, on on a, a Zoom call anymore. No. Isn't that wild? Did you guys have Audrey Hepburn posters in your dorm room? You know, not. no, I didn't. Um, but you know whose posters I do have a lot of? Is it Chris Angel? It is Chris, it is Angel. Chris Angel. I am wow. I'm shocked. At, at freshman orientation, your RA came in your room and said, wow, that's a lot of goth man in your room. That is exactly <laughs> it. That is so perfect. Okay. Thank you so much for describing my life. Excellent. Thank um, you, Nolan. <laughs> yeah. So that's Alanis and Liz. Hello. <laughs> I guess we could explore... Uh, <laughs> Your dorm decor. She's just as yeah. weird as I am. I just, I just obsessively painted banners about Formula One. That's that right. Was what I, that That's was what right. I hung yeah. all over the place. So. Incredible. As you can probably guess, today we're going to talk about the Bahrain Grand Prix. So first, let's talk about qualifying. Sure. As we all expected to happen, Max Verstappen got the pole, and he beat out his teammate, Checo Perez, by .138 seconds. Well... I don't know if that's what we all expected to happen. I think going into it, a lot of people had high hopes for Fernando Alonso in the Aston Martin. They were putting up really great times in practice and even testing a few weeks before. There's the Aston Martin hype train. We were all, you know, what's Ferrari going to bring out? Well, okay. So, Nolan, I think you're confusing hopes and expectations here because if you'll remember, when everyone was saying they hoped that Fernando Alonso would get the pole, he said, 
reduce your expectations. Fair. Okay. But I think for like 40 minutes in qualifying <laughs> one and two, yeah, people were like, okay, there's a change in the air. Something could happen here. Maybe Fernando on pole. And then qualifying three, we come back down to earth a little bit yeah. with a front row Red Bull lockout, followed by Ferrari, followed by Mercedes, and Fernando in there. Yeah, but when was the last time we actually had that kind of hope where we were thinking it could actually legitimately be someone that's, that's not true. one of those top three? That is true. It's like, been a long time. I mean, I don't know if we were necessarily expecting or guaranteeing that Fernando would get there, but there was like that off chance that he would throw out a banger of a lap and suddenly everything would be different. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it would have been cool, wouldn't it? It would have been. But... That did not happen. Our front row was Max Verstappen and Sergio Perez. Behind them were the Ferraris, Charles Leclerc and Carlos Sainz, respectively. Um, fifth was Fernando Alonso, right. our guy. He was proving that Aston Martin was just as quick as we thought after preseason testing. And even Lance Stroll, this man was out there with a wrist injury, and he pulled P8. He made it all the way to Q3, qualified eighth incredible right i don't understand how f1 teams let their drivers anywhere near a bicycle one month from the first race well this is this is not the first time it's happened it's not going to be the last i no, know it's not that's what i'm saying it's like fernando alonso got hit by a car a couple years ago i <laughs> yeah. think like yeah how did anyone after that not put that in their contract Get i, a I Peloton. don't yes well so i feel like this is a big discussion right now in racing in general because Lance Stroll hurt himself, and then this past week in NASCAR, mm -hmm. Chase Elliott was on a snowboard uh, and say, hurt his leg, and he sat out over the weekend because you, he had uh, leg surgery. Guys, racing drivers, if you're listening, <laughs> Tyler Reddick, you might be. Um, Tyler Reddick, please listen. Don't you hurt You guys yourself. are already extreme <laughs> sports athletes. You guys get to do the coolest thing in the world. Stay off the boards. Stay off the bikes. Focus on your job. <laughs> Get that, get those willies out on the racetrack and stop hurting yourselves trying to do 1080s at Big Bear. Okay, okay, but this was the debate. The debate is, should they have clauses in their contract that yes. prevent them from doing the stuff they enjoy? I, think I don't so. know. Look. It became a thing in the in the 70s and 80s in F1 because Patrick DePaye, specifically a French driver, <laughs> was like skydiving and broke of both course, of his yes. legs what? because oh he hit the God. ground. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, and so after that point, like, it started to become really common at then, and I think there are still clauses for those kinds of dangerous things, but not for, like, bicycles. You're not really expecting Lance Stroll to fall off a bike. I would fall off a bike because, as we all know, I never learned how to ride a bike. Yes. I understand. Like, look, you want to feel like you have some freedom, but also... I Go swimming. Go, go yeah, swimming. Yeah, go swimming. Not in the ocean. Yeah. That's, that's, <laughs> so I broke both of my arms when I was a kid. Nice. But one the after the time? other. One when I was three, ah. one when I was four. So my parents put me in the pool and they said, hopefully she won't break anything in here. And that's why they made me a swimmer when that's I was funny. a kid. There you that's go. actually really funny. It was awful, actually. Um, so uh, all three of our rookies in qualifying, uh, Logan Sargent, Oscar Piastri, and Nick DeVries, they were out in Q1. They were they were gone. And our shock of the qualifying session was that also out in Q1 was Pierre Gasly. What yes. happened, Pierre? First start for Alpine. What happened? That's, that was a big yikes. I don't know if Pierre, I think, over the course of the last couple of seasons, we've seen that Pierre historically is not 
very good at qualifying, <laughs> no. I think. No one's like, he's got to work on that. He does. But, I mean, he's, as we'll see, very good on race day. So, I don't know. I, maybe it's some sort of, it's a form of the yips or something. I don't know. Gets two in his head. Well. It's very possible, yeah. So, what I thought was really interesting was Pierre, over the offseason, he went from Alpha Tauri, where he was clearly the senior driver on the team. It was mm -hmm. him and Yuki Sonoda. They're very good friends. He was very clearly the leader. He moves to Alpine with Esteban Ocon. They're very much on a similar level, and there's going to be kind of a fight here for who is the better mm -hmm. top driver on this team. And it was super interesting to watch him go out here, and he puts a lap time on the board. And his lap time is 17th in this Alpine. But then he gets the lap time deleted for track limits violation. And so this man ends Q1 in 20th place. And it was really, really puzzling to me. Yeah. I don't know. Sports psychiatrist or something, maybe, in the in, in the <laughs> after, after all those years at Red Bull in that program, that boy needs a sports psychiatrist if he doesn't have one yet. Something That's so true. Well, or psychologist. Psychiatrist. Psychiatrist. <laughs> Might be a bit extreme, right? Oh, drug him up. He might need it. <laughs> um, so I was so puzzled by this that I actually went and I looked up to try to see what Pierre was saying. And he basically said he struggled with understeer. Um, he said it was mm. too extreme for the conditions. It was all over the mm. place. And he said he was comfortable in practice. But qualifying, uh, when he went for it, it was not it was not working for him. So that's why he was 17th and then 20th after his track limits violations. Poor guy. Poor guy. But, as we will talk about later, he did all right in the race. Mm -hmm. All right, let's talk about this race, huh? What do you guys, what do you guys think? Well, I, should we also talk about how we watched the race, Nolan? Uh, on no. a television? On a television, <laughs> as a group. As a group, yes. We, we had, like, at Donut bonding Media. time. Yes, had some donuts, had some mimosas. Yes, we did. It was fun. Yeah, we had a good <laughs> time. We had a great time. Yeah. I usually just watch with my cats, so mm -hmm. watching with humans is pretty great. Well, it's really funny because I'm usually sitting on the couch making jokes to myself. Yeah, exactly. And I got to sit in there and like actually <laughs> make fun audience. of everyone. Yeah. And have an audience <laughs> for making my fun of everyone. My little stand-up uh, routine. Yeah. Yeah, I know. I have my little stand-up routine. It was open mic at the Apollo at the Donut Media uh, Garage this weekend with Alanis cracking those jokes. Thank you so much. They were good, weren't they? I had to bring out the cane and, and get her off stage. Uh <laughs> <laughs> um, so a lot happened in the race. Uh, I think the leaders were very well, the leader was very unsurprising. Max Verstappen ran away with it to the point that we didn't even really talk about him much on yeah. the Sky Sports broadcast. He was so gone that it was like he wasn't even there. I think it was like 10 laps in or so. He's already like eight <laughs> seconds ahead yeah, of, of Sergio. Awful. Pretty lonely race for Max. Unsurprising. I think that, <laughs> look. With a super dominant team, it's hard to it's it make it makes things a little harder. Yeah. Uh, so I was pissed at Max for this, uh, for his insanely dominating race this weekend, because uh, that means I have to be better at my job. So I think I think a really important thing that we need to discuss here is we need to add a rule to the Formula One rulebook, and if Max Verstappen is leading by more than ten seconds, he needs to stop. Eat a package of peanut butter crackers. Go back out on track and see if he can still win. I think he still could. I think he's he like, still well, he definitely could. At it would this, make it a little harder. During this race, he did his pit stop, 
and came back out on track, and there was still like ten seconds behind <laughs> him. It was disgusting. <laughs> it's disgusting. I would love if he just started like pulling really obnoxious moves, where like he just kind of stops trying at the end, and still no one could catch him. I would respect it. I would respect it a lot. It would make it interesting. Not but- a lot of car issues for either Red Bull this weekend. I was. I wasn't hoping, but you know, I wasn't hoping you know, for their disasters. Forty laps in, I was like, okay, maybe some spice. Would maybe be nice. some spice happens. Maybe we get a blown head gasket or something. Uh, mm-hmm. Nothing like that happens. The Red Bulls look very good this weekend. Mm-hmm. Um, unlike some other cars. Unlike some other cars. So yeah, we're gonna talk about the race for second through twentieth today, mm-hmm. <laughs> and that included our guy Charles Leclerc not finishing the race on lap 41 everything's going smoothly this man has bounced between second and third position all day mm-hmm. he's doing fine he's cruising to a podium and that car just slows down and pulls to the side of the track and we we cut to his radio and he goes no 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 yep. come on what happened guys no power and i was like oh oh, oh. they did it again yeah uh not a repeat of last year's Bahrain, which in which Charles won. Yeah, he but did. A little, you know, we're back. We're, we're back, back, baby. It's Formula One season, and Ferrari is breaking, and Charles is getting his hopes and dreams crushed. First race in. Properly setting the tone. Nothing has changed. They've gotten a new team principal. It doesn't matter. Frederick Vosser, and it, you know, we saw a lot of the back of that man's head. Yes, during yes, this we broadcast. did. Well, Elizabeth said nothing has changed, but importantly, something did change because if you'll remember our very first episode last year, we did it in the studio, and we had a little game where oh, we no. did our best Charles Leclerc no scream. Uh, yes. And yeah, you'll remember that. that if I back away from this mic, it was no! <laughs> <laughs> and now we've changed to no, no, no. So something has changed. Okay, yeah. Yeah, that's fair. That's yeah, very fair. Something's changed. Um, <laughs> his no last year was like a, a guttural no. Yeah. This was a this was a targeted no at someone else. Mm-hmm. Ooh, yeah. We're so, the sports psychologists. <laughs> <laughs> so Charles, he was in uh, third place. Worked his way up to second place before his car shut down. But we have a little bit of insight as to why that happened. Yeah, so before the race, he took on new power unit elements, a new energy store and control electronics. So a battery. Yeah. And yeah. some computer stuff. That That is stunning, Nolan. Thank you so much. He did not get a penalty for this, but importantly, everyone is only allowed two of each of these parts for the whole season before they start getting grid penalties. Oh, man. So... The race has not even started. started. We're not even going yet. The season hasn't even started (laughs) yet. And Ferrari is, well, Charles Leclerc's team is halfway through their allocations for these parts. God. That's bad news, Bears. That's horrific, is it not? That's, Ferrari, what happened? What are you doing? You've been here for 500 years. And and you haven't figured this out yet? This goes back to our conversation of how... Big topics and memes of topics actually influence decisions in Formula One. So Mattia Bonotto kind of became a meme. He's a mm-hmm. big topic. Everyone's okay. blaming Mattia for everything. When everyone actually knows that the problem at Ferrari is so much deeper it's than Ferrari. just the team principal. But what happens? We lose Mattia Bonotto. We get a new team principal. Ferrari's like, we're good. We're going to do this. First race, same Ferrari. Because the memes ultimately do not control what's going on. No. We fell for it. Yeah, uh, after the incident, Leclerc had this to say, quote, we definitely had the car to fight for a podium. 
Uh, honestly, the podium was there. We had a good gap behind. I was managing the pace. Everything felt good. So it is a shame. Now I just hope we can look into it, understand what went wrong, and don't have this problem anymore. I hope the same thing for you, Charles. Sincerely, you know. Sincerely. I, I, I hate to see Charles and uh, Carlos have their psyches destroyed over the course of a season. Well, you'll recall that in the new Formula One opening theme, they record all the videos of the drivers uh-huh. doing their little poses. Yeah. And I watched it, and I saw Charles Leclerc leaning up against a wall <laughs> with one arm, and it his is. other hand was on his hip, and he was looking downward. And I don't know if he was, like, going for a magazine pose, but he just looked dejected. It's pretty sullen. Sorry, yawn. Uh, it's pretty sullen. Yeah. Uh, his post. <laughs> I don't and know if I, I would have gone with that one. Was it foreshadowing or did he think he looked cute? Like, is he trying to tell us something? I bet he was pulling like the emo boy cover of a of an album kind of <laughs> deal. You know what I mean? Because mm-hmm. he is an emo boy. Yeah. Because because Ferrari <laughs> has made him an emo boy. Poor boy. Oh. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. I absolutely love this because, you know, if you own a home, it can be really hard to maintain. It's hard to find people that can help you for a big project or a small. Well, whether it's in everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality, it can be hard just to know where to start. But now all you need to do is answer that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish. Or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps, because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. All right. So we had a fastest lap from Alfa Romeo of all teams. Love it. Zhou Yu nabbed that fastest lap during the race, but he was P-16. So. so you get that extra point for fastest lap only if you're in the top 10. Mm. That that point is gone to the ether. Mm. And this is, I think, the last time that we had a really um, intriguing news cycle around the fastest lap going to someone who was not in the top 10 was when our guy Nikita Mazepin oh, had a fastest lap that. under a race that never went green. Yeah, in Spa. And he was not in the top 10. And yeah. it was so funny. And Nico Hulkenberg, if... If you were watching him, he was pretty much last on track or second to last on track for most of this race. And yet we kept getting these little alerts across the top of the screen about track limits violations by Nico Hulkenberg. He eventually got a 15-second time penalty for multiple violations. And I'm just trying to understand why exactly was he going outside of the lines? What was going on back there? Maybe he forgot how to drive. It's been a while. It has been been a while. It's possible. <laughs> As we mentioned in the qualifying section, Pierre Gasly uh, qualified 20th overall, but climbed up to ninth place into the points, his first points of the season for Alpine in his first race for Alpine. Uh, didn't really see this too much on the broadcast. There were a lot of other battles and skirmishes going on uh, to kind of uh, overshadow Gasly's climb there. Uh, but still, very impressive for Pierre. 
again, one of those sleeper guys on the grid. I think in the right car, imagine Gasly in a Ferrari or something. Yeah. A, a reliable I was going to say, we're going to do that to him after One all of his I trials s- and tribulations at yeah. Red Bull. We're going to put him <laughs> in a Ferrari? I would. S- I could see it happening. Um, I would love to see uh, Pierre in a championship-capable car because I think this kid's got the juice, man. He's got interesting hair, but he's, he's got, got the, the juice. juice. <laughs> yeah. He's got interesting hair. He does. <laughs> oh, no. I like, I like Pierre Gasly a lot. I, think, I yeah. do, too. I'm happy to see him score some points this weekend. So, as we mentioned, Max Verstappen won by nearly 12 seconds. That makes this his 36th F1 win. He also stayed out on his softs longer than anyone and only switched to hards on lap 36. So, that car has some pretty serious tire management. Alex Albon actually had some really interesting comments about Red Bull and Max Verstappen. Yes. He wrote a little thing for the Players' Tribune, which is Hmm. a site where uh, athletes contribute their own little stories. Uh, It's actually pretty fascinating. He mentions that essentially Red Bull has built this car around Max Verstappen, Mm -hmm. but Max Verstappen has a seriously unique style of driving that makes it almost impossible for anyone else to get into that car Mm -hmm. and compete at the same level. Max Verstappen likes a lot of what we call front-end nose. So basically how Alex Albon described this was if you're playing Call of Duty or something like that, you turn your sensitivity up to the highest level it would go. So basically any input Max is putting in, it is immediately yeah. happening on track. Like there's, it's so, sen- this car is so sensitive. A fly lands on that steering wheel and, <laughs> and it, com- some, it spins out. Exactly. It's like a ripple effect, yeah. right? Like th- this car is all over the place if a fly lands on this wheel. And that does not, often does not suit the other driver. And so I mm-hmm. found that really interesting because Max leads, b- he's leading by 12 seconds. He's yeah. winning by so much. Why is Checo so far behind? Mm-hmm. That gives Probably. a lot of perspective on why it's been so difficult historically yes. for any of Max Verstappen's teammates to compete with him yes because even though Checo does have the uh, opportunity to tune his car during a race weekend the actual basis of that car and the way that it is built is not based on Checo Mm -hmm. yeah definitely man uh yeah so Checo's got to work on getting its kill streaks uh uh, you know (laughs) some some quick scopes yeah for Um, sure you know who else has to work on stuff Mercedes they finished fifth and seventh yeah oof yikes they just looked meh. They're all right, but they're not great. They're not going to compete for a championship, but they're probably yeah. going to finish all right. Ferrari's going to Ferrari. Ferrari's going to Ferrari themselves out of whatever they would have gotten, mm-hmm. and Mercedes will hopefully benefit from that. <laughs> yeah, the <laughs> porpoising, not whatever. The porpoising issue from last year is solved, it seems, but yeah. there's still, uh, from what I've read, some issues with the floor the the skinny side pod design is also i mean they're still the only team working with that i love that they um, doubled down on it yeah at what cost my guy yeah we'll see you know uh they apparently there is a big like uh b spec or evo Mm. uh uh car on the horizon a different take on the chassis in the works apparently not too crazy but hopefully something that performs better than this Lewis definitely didn't seem super happy with the car, but with a fifth-place finish, um, definitely a better starting point than last year. There are worse places to finish than Yeah, fifth. definitely. So we'll probably see Lewis fighting for third overall, I think. Mm, rough. Um, McLaren had a horrible day. 
We will get to Oscar Piastri, the newest McLaren driver, in a minute. But Lando Norris finished 17th after pitting six times, everyone. Good six Lord. Times. I... I would like to raise a question. Do we think that maybe McLaren spread itself too thin? Because let's count them. They have the F1 program. They expanded their IndyCar program mm-hmm. to a three-car program this year. Mm-hmm. They joined Extreme E last year. Mm-hmm. And they've debuted in Formula E this year. And now suddenly we've got these massive electrical issues that knock Piastri out of the race. We have pneumatic issues for Lando Norris, according to Zach Brown, that has him pitting regularly. Like, are they are they are they paying attention? Like, are they are they giving? I know I've spoke to Zach Brown actually in Mexico City at Formula E, and he said there are enough different personnel on every single one of these different organizations that there shouldn't be any issues like this. But we're seeing issues like this. I was thinking about this yesterday as I was watching the replay of the IndyCar race because it was cool to see mm-hmm. McLaren in that, you know, think not just thinking about McLaren as like a team, but almost as like a motorsports brand overall. As a, the yeah. McLaren Extended Universe. Yeah, with like a presence in all these other sports. You could see, I, I mean, it's not a stretch to say that what if they had a NASCAR team mm-hmm. next year? Like just every sport you could think of, McLaren's there. I think that's pretty cool as like a, a brand value building exercise. But like... If you're not doing well in Formula One, which is, in my opinion, the, the sport, the pinnacle, like the sport, mm-hmm. that kind of devalues the rest of the efforts there. Even if you're doing well in IndyCar, we had, what was it? Uh, Pato Award. Pato Award was yesterday. fighting for a win and yeah. got second place. Almost got there. I, I do think it's a little spread too thin, too fast. Because mm-hmm. I mean, they're still sort of in the stages. I think of rebuilding in their F1 team at yeah. this point. So. Well, what I think is really interesting is that McLaren for several years, however long Daniel Ricciardo was there, had an older Formula One driver who has driven for a long time and knows these cars very well and can give you feedback. And one thing that we saw when Elizabeth and I were writing our book about the Rich Energy Haas Formula One team, the Haas car was really, really bad. Mm -hmm. And people were asking Gunther Steiner, are you thinking about bringing in younger drivers? Because the current driver or the driver lineup at the time was Roman Grosjean and Kevin Magnussen, two older drivers, not going to be near, around nearly as long as these young people. Mm-hmm. And Gunther Steiner said, no, we have to work out the problems with our car before we start focusing on young talent. And we even saw when Haas eventually moved to younger talent, Nikita Mazepin and Mick Schumacher, they abandoned that plan after a couple of years and have gone back to older drivers mm-hmm. and now have Nico Hulkenberg and Kevin Magnussen. That is very helpful for <laughs> getting the kinks out of these cars and finding out what's wrong with them and finding out what's wrong with your program. McLaren has kind of gone all in and developing young stars. Mm-hmm. Like We have Lando yeah. and now we have Oscar Piastri. But I, th- I don't think we're giving Lando enough credit. Like I think this is his fifth year in Formula yeah, 1. It's it is. For it's now. not like he's new. But I mean, he's Daniel Ricciardo was a child to me. Yeah. <laughs> Daniel Ricciardo was like in his his decade of yes. competition. So there's obviously value to be got from that and especially with his time in Red Bull. Um and with Renault, you've got all sorts of different approaches to manufacturing and developing a car. Lando Norris does not have that same level of broad exposure, so I can see where that would come in. But I don't know. I, feel, I was expecting a lot more, especially because we had so much last year. Even Lando Norris himself talking about Daniel Ricciardo as if Daniel Ricciardo contributed nothing to the team uh, and was not helping with things like 
development processes. So it was like, it shouldn't honestly matter that Daniel Ricardo's yeah. not there. Mm-hmm. Another interesting thing about McLaren is I think there's a lot more attention on them right now due to the focus on them and Drive to Survive. Because mm-hmm. if you watch Drive to Survive, there was a lot of tension between McLaren and Alpine over their driver contracts. Mm-hmm. And so people are watching Alpine and McLaren to kind of see who wins out in this little battle between them because mm-hmm. they have some tension. We'll be keeping an eye on McLaren as the season goes on to see if they can kind of figure things out or not, uh, especially with these young quote-unquote drivers. Standout moment of the race this weekend was a little performance by the spicy Spaniard, <laughs> Fernando Alonso. No. What? That I was, love I wore that on a t-shirt. I was not expecting that at all. <laughs> <laughs> he's cantankerous, but now he's in a car that is good. Man, it seems like Aston Martin has figured it out. Yeah. Um, yeah. So we started out the race with a little love tap by teammate Lance Stroll, which Alonzo complained about on radio, and his uh, it, race engineers were being a little vague as to who, who hit him. Hit him. Uh-huh. Uh huh. It was pretty funny. Fernando was like, "We need to investigate this. We need to investigate this," and no one no. kind of responded no, and said it was Lance. <laughs> yeah, pretty good. It's honestly really cool to see Fernando back. I have this love hate relationship with Fernando Alonso, where I adore the fact that he just owns being a villain yeah but also he's so annoying and smug sometimes <laughs> yes. i just can't stand it however he was actually he was on his best behavior i think during this race so Absolutely. we saw some incredible overtakes uh great battles with george russell going wheel to wheel past lewis hamilton like yeah, nobody's great business battle with lewis over the, the battle course of with several lewis laps it was incredible was yeah. incredible and he just like dove under lewis and then he passes him and i thought his I thought his cadence on the radio was so funny. He goes, yes, let's go. Yeah. Yeah, and then he just keeps going. Yeah. And it was so fast. It was it was short and choppy. Just like his driving just style. Just like his driving style. Like, you watch him behind a driver, and he's just, like, darting back and forth. Like, yeah. I would have nightmares if I drove in front of this man. And <laughs> he's, like, chopping back and forth. And then he, his radio messages are very choppy. I was going to say, like, it's just like, it's like Jaws. Yeah, like it's it, like Jaws. You look in the rearview yeah. mirror, and he's over on your left, and now he's on your right. Like, and he's like, oh, oh, oh where yeah. do I go? What, how do I escape Fernando? I feel like I would have nightmares about him. So he passes Lewis Hamilton um, around lap 37, 38, somewhere in that range. And then a few laps later, he passes Carlos Sainz. Mm-hmm. And he says our favorite quote from Drive to Survive. Bye-bye. <laughs> yup. Which you'll remember is what he said to Alpine when he went to Aston Martin. Bye-bye. Bless his soul. Good for him. Yeah, you know, he's he's one of the great, like, characters, I think, yeah. of the modern Absolutely. F1 age. You know, when he's when he's mad uh, and frustrated with his circumstances, he's kind of a d- I think. Yeah. P2 engine. He's, yeah. uh, <laughs> he's definitely strained a lot of relationships i think in formula yeah. one when it comes oh, to yeah. teams and everything but i mean this is only the first race we don't know how the car is going to develop we don't know how the competition is going to react to aston martin but you know if we see alonzo regularly on that podium like we did this weekend that is exciting you that know? is really it's I've, fun to see him kind of back and especially because he did retire from formula one at one point that he then came back he was on a he was on a glory tour he was he, he was, was trying to win the indy 500. 500 he took a victory at Le Mans. yeah like this man has 
he's done it. He was on his goodbye tour mm-hmm. in like 2018. Yeah. And now here we are in 2023. And this man is just in our nightmares again. <laughs> See, one of the things that I actually really loved about Fernando this race was that he seemed so sweet to Lance Stroll. Yes. Uh-huh. Like he checked in multiple times on the radio to ask how Lance was doing. And mm-hmm. then was like, first of all, congratulations to Lance, my teammate. Surgery 12 days ago, and now he's fighting with everyone. That's so That's, cute. I thought they were going to hate each other, honestly. I still like, think I thought, they will. I think they will at some point, but I thought we were going to get like right from the beginning. So it's kind of cute to see that they're like, buddies but perhaps that's also because Lauren Stroll uh funds the team yes well Fernando was in an incredible mood the whole time um Carlos was a little shaky you know when he was having that battle with Fernando he said if I push to defend I might not make it to the end of the race as a a reference back to Charles Leclerc who Mm -hmm. did not make it to the end of the race um and then you know toward the end of the race he comes over the radio he says this is a lovely car to drive which no race car driver ever says that. No, yeah. You no can one. watch a race car Max driver. Max Verstappen led this race with a massive <laughs> lead and was like, yeah, the clutch is bad. Yeah. Uh, the, uh, this car is terrible. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's awful. I would rather be driving like a terrible car he from the 90s. <laughs> he did not say that. But yeah, you're <laughs> right. He was like, saying it was not great. Well, yeah. I mean, he was like, right, right, like. Not complaining, but like, oh, we got the. the he said the, it was the rear, manageable. I the think. rear steps out when I'm shifting down, blah, blah, blah. And then, like, he, but he's just destroying the field. So, yeah. Incredible. I think that maybe sheds a little insight into the mind of Max for the mind of Max. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and then Fernando, again, in a great mood when he's told it's someone's 60th birthday, he says, 60s are the new 40s, which to me is very ominous. Um, it means that Fernando is still going to be doing this when he's 60. Um, I would love to see. I, I, if anyone on the grid had the capacity to be like the Nolan Ryan of <laughs> F1, where you, they're, they're racing and like still throwing fastballs at 55 years old, yeah. like it's uh, Lewis and Fernando. Yeah. You know? yeah. Lewis, I can see retiring because Lewis has other investments in his life, but Fernando, like this is what he's got. Fernando's got his flip flop company, <laughs> <laughs> his cart track and his flip flop yeah. company. So I got to order some of those. What I think is really interesting is that Fernando was kind of content to do his like little glory trip around Mm -hmm. the racing series and be done a few years ago. And I think it has shown a new layer of how talented Fernando Alonso is. The fact that he's actually come back to formula one, Mm -hmm. like he had a couple of years where he was just midfield, whatever. Yeah. But to see him up there and just dicing around all of these people who are so much younger than him and doing so well has given us a new layer of respect for his driving ability and mm-hmm. his driving ability as the years go on. Like, if he's still, I mean, I don't want to sound like I think 41 years old is elderly. He's still pretty old in Formula in, One. In the Formula One world, like, that's when you retire and your career's pretty much done. Yeah. And then you transition into sports cars where you can race until you die. Yeah. Um, but, it, like, Fernando doesn't seem like he's gotten any worse it just seems like he had bad cars for a long time well what's really interesting about this is 41 in formula one is just like you need to go it's yeah time he's to the oldest person on the grid yeah. yeah like it's time to go 41 in nascar is actually for a lot it's of a drivers, age that is the age mm-hmm. you have this period between about 38 and 42 43 when you as a NASCAR driver are probably going to be at your prime if you are an elite level NASCAR driver. Mm-hmm. And what's really fascinating to me is that Formula One, that age is in your mid thirties. Yeah. It's like seven or eight years later in NASCAR. And so it is interesting to watch Fernando kind of 
repeat this NASCAR timeline. Like, he's mm-hmm. doing really well right now. Fernando Alonso, NASCAR Cup Series champion confirmed 2024. Fernando Alonso, let's go to NASCAR. What is this Xfinity Series engine? (laughs) (laughs) I personally have been really excited about the rookie battle that we've got going on this year. So let's check in on the three rookies in their debut race. I personally would have picked Nick DeVries to be the leader of the rookie rookie field. However, it was Logan Sargent in the Williams who had the best race of the three. Nobody got points. He did finish P12, though, which that's that's pretty respectable for your debut race. In a Williams, too. In a Williams. Pretty cool. I think that showed, like, we got Alex Albon, uh, the number one driver at Williams, scoring Mm -hmm. points in 10th place, and Logan in 12th. I think that shows that Williams, at least for this race, They've really stepped their game up compared yeah. to last season. And that's a really respectable debut from a rookie as well to be very, so, very respectable. so close to your teammate. Yeah. And let me say that um, these two talked down about that Williams livery for like a whole episode a few weeks ago. If you looked at that car on track, the little battery thing it was, freaking cute. Oh, it's so sick. was really cute. It was adorable. It was really <laughs> every time cute. I, it literally brought a smile to my face it every time I so saw it happy. zooming around there. It made me so happy. <laughs> it's so cute. I cannot say that the Duracell Twitter account brought a smile to my face this week. It more brought a, a, a face of confusion because you'll notice that they called the Williams drivers their daddy. <laughs> they're too they're not they're not they're daddies. not even old enough they're to be children. Daddies. They're my sons. Yeah, they're they're your sons. <laughs> like who's running that account? Are they like eighteen? Listen, if we're going to datify somebody on the grid, it's it Fernando. Cannot, yeah, it cannot be or one of the, the rookies. It cannot no. be one of the children, yeah. which is why I was like, how old is this person for these to be their dads? Duracell, let us know. Duracell, hit us up. We want to know. Yeah. We like your opinions. We just, we're just curious. Um, my one bit of feedback on Logan Sargent is that I Googled Logan Sargent this week and I confirmed that he was American because his middle name is Hunter. <laughs> yeah, that'll that's Logan Hunter is Logan very Hunter. American, and that is that's a Florida man. We name. probably have like thirty Logan Hunters listening I, to the show right I now. I literally <laughs> went to school with a Logan Hunter. <laughs> well, that's and we were talking about it, and Nolan and I decided that Logan Hunter is a great yelling name. That's yeah. what yeah. you name your kids if you want to like tell Logan them Hunter that get they need to clean tree. something. Yeah, Logan yeah. Hunter, go clean your room. Oh, great. Logan Hunter, get down from that tree. (laughs) (laughs) That is too high. Logan! (laughs) Two syllables. If you want to yell for your child, it's got to be two syllables. (laughs) Two syllables. Christopher! It's too much. It's too much. much. Uh, After we got a little harsh on Drive to Survive, uh, Nick DeVries was critiquing Yuki Sonoda's maturity. Yeah. He happened to finish P14 to Yuki's P11. Again, a fairly respectable finish for a Good rookie. Good for Yuki. It, great for Yuki. Good for uh, Yuki, Yuki was almost got his points. Uh, Nick DeVries, I believe I was reading after the race that he was put on an alternate strategy, uh, and that was why he struggled a lot. Uh, yeah. He, and when they realized it wasn't working... They just kind of continued because that, why not? Uh, the track time, I'm sure, will be valuable. Hopefully, we'll see a little bit more out of Nick DeVries in Saudi Arabia. But it is, it's not, I don't know. When it comes to Alvatari drivers or that battle for 10th place, I was pretty conflicted because I, you know, I wanted to see both Albon and Yuki get points. Uh, but I guess I'm happy with Albon in 10th as well. Yeah. I don't know. That was nice. Yeah. 
And uh, our final rookie, Oscar Piastri, had a delicious retirement on oh. lap 15. Oh. It, I mm. Honestly, after, after the whole Alpine and McLaren fiasco that we saw and the way that it was portrayed in Drive to Survive, he hurt Otmar Schnaffhauser. Yeah, he really I did. I mm-hmm. will never forgive him for that. <laughs> and Otmar is our guy. Otmar's my boy. Yeah. He's Oscar, my little public enemy number one. Yeah. So his retirement, he came in, tried to swap out his, his steering wheel. That was not going to solve the problem, and they ended up parking the car. So that was the first of McLaren's absolute disasters with Lando Norris pin- finishing P17. Uh I think Otmar cursed him. And personally, <laughs> I was, was going to say, is this the curse of Otmar? Like, I hope is so. this the point at which we Photoshop a photo of Otmar and like there's like a lightning cloud around? He's him? like he's all three witches. Yeah, he's all Macbeth. three witches, and he's just oh, cursing oh. McLaren. I hope so. Honestly, I hope so. I think it would be great. I'm kind of excited to see McLaren do terribly. <laughs> if only because Jeez. if only because their car is ugly. <laughs> <laughs> And because if your car is ugly, you deserve all of the bad luck in the honest world. Honest to God, if you're gonna make me look at those tragic wheel covers, the chrome ones, I hate them. You be nice. No, those look I cool. know they're awful. No, I like. It's em. a good thing they parked the car early. Wow. <laughs> I didn't have oh my to God! See it. Some some nuclear takes. From, you're lucky from that you Liz have a multi-syllable name. Because I I was gonna yell your name, but you it's can't, not too. You can't do it. It's too. It's Elizabeth. Yeah, you can't do it. Liz. <laughs> That's pretty good, actually. That's pretty good. Um, so Elizabeth said that Oscar Piastri's retirement was delicious, but much more delicious than that was our buddy Esteban Ocon. Oh, what man. was going on with that what man? What a race um, for he, Stebby. <laughs> 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 I used to I used to call him Esta Baby because he first started testing in F one when Esteban Gutierrez was there uh, and Esteban Gutierrez was Esta Man. <laughs> I apologize I want to apologize to Esteban Ocon. Uh, we are Stebby, so sorry, I'm retired. <laughs> it's not good. It's not good. I'm calling anyway, it. Tried it out. Um, it's over. I tried it. Yeah, we tried it on. Didn't fit. It's Moving fed. on. Moving on. Okay. Oh no. Um I, I, I can't even say Esteban anymore. Stebby, um, <laughs> he had endless penalties from this race. And they eventually parked him. And you know what? I honestly, I tried to Google the reason they parked him. And I think they were just like, bring it in. We're done. <laughs> the stewards um, hate you, buddy. It's over. It's it's over. Bring it in. Um, So he got hit from behind by Nico Hulkenberg on the first lap. Ouch. Um, but Nico, his problem started honestly before that. Yeah. Because he started the race from a quote unquote the improper grid position mm-hmm. because he was a little bit too far ahead of it. Yes. Yeah, there's those little lines. Uh, it, well, there's like the starting boxes where they start on the grid, but then there's a little guideline that like tells them where to place their front wheel mm-hmm. uh, so they're not too far forward. Esteban was a little dis- distracted uh, looking in his mirrors or something, goes beyond that and gets a five second penalty for that uh, infraction. I personally think Esteban's problems didn't start before the race. They started when his parents named him something that could be shortened to Stebby. Um, <laughs> so before the race, Esteban had that inaccurate grid position. And around lap 12, we hear that he has a five-second penalty for that. A um, few laps later, he pits, and he gets his front ring, wing replaced. But 
his penalty time has not ended. So what happens when you get a penalty is you pull in your pit box, you get there, and your time penalty starts. So you, five you, seconds. No one can touch the car during that period of time. Yes. You just have to sit and wait. But they did not wait mm -hmm. long enough. Yeah. Ouch. They blame this, I think, on an operational error, which could be anything. Um, they started replacing that front wing before the end of the penalty. So he gets another time penalty. Mm -hmm. We confirm it around lap 25. 10 seconds for incorrectly serving his first time penalty. And at this point, this man is in 19th. He is back there. He's he's dead last because Piastri has retired. Yes, he is back there. And then he comes in for his next penalty, round lap 28. Five-second penalty for speeding in pit lane. Jeez. So this is now our third penalty. Mm -hmm. We're at 20 seconds of penalties. Yikes. I believe Esteban came on the radio during the race and mentioned to his team that these are things they've always been doing and that nothing he's done has been any different. But for some reason, it was a problem today. But that could also just be the race car driver mindset of Esteban, like, I've never been. Esteban, you drove faster than normal on pit lane. <laughs> yeah. You definitely did something different. Yeah. Esteban, Stebby, what you doing? <laughs> oh, my goodness. So, you know, after he completes 41 laps, they bring him into pit road, and he retires for the rest of the race. We're, we're done. We're out. Yeah. No real reason as to why. No. I, believe. I tried to find a reason. I went all over the internet to try to find a reason. Probably just to save laps on the engine, yeah. you know, and just like, okay, we're not going to do he was, anything. He was two laps down at yeah. that point. Uh, he came in after completing 41 laps, but the lap ticker was at lap 43. Okay. Oh, my goodness. So one Sky Sports commentator said that viewers to choose should choose to ride along with Ocon in the app so they can see more of pit lane. That's brutal. It's like a virtual that's on tour. Call for, that's, that's just... Yeah. Kicking him while he's down. That that, really that's horrible. We shouldn't do that to our guy. <laughs> yeah, anyway, uh, Esteban had this to say about the experience. Quote, quite impressive how it was not our day-to-day. -day. We're usually quite good on these operational things, pit stopping, stopping in the right places. And these are things that we put a lot of effort on. So everything went wrong today for sure. Yeah. I mean, one could argue that perhaps that was all driver error. Yes. I mean, as aside from... The, the team working work on the car. Early. Yeah. But, you know, the other bits were not operational unless you are a machine. Well, you know what? You, you get one mulligan. Maybe he is. You get to, you know, you got to shake the cobwebs off. Yeah. Uh, Pierre scored points, so that's good for, for Alpine, you know. Uh, they're in the hunt already. There you go. For the <laughs> so Yikes. It's all uh, uphill from here it is. for Esteban. It is. It cannot get any worse. No. Ah, uh, don't say that. I mean, they knock on wood. Knock on I'm wood. I'm knocking yeah, vigorously <laughs> on this table. Uh, I think, you know, keep your stick your head up, man. You're good. Mm. One bad race, you'll be back. Whatever, man. You get it sorted out. <laughs> I cannot get over the fact that no one's just playing with a pocket Sorry, knife. Sorry, I got a new knife this weekend, and I, I, and I fidget, and I just have the... Sorry, I know. It's no, kind of off-putting. I'm sorry. <laughs> I love that there's just a plane over there. Well, it's a uh, cold steel 1911. If uh, any of you uh, knife nerds are knife listening, that means a lot to me. Pretty, you know what? One time, it. it's pretty cool. One time, I saw a story uh, about things TSA confiscated this year, and there was a necklace shaped like a dragon, and the dragon's tail was a knife. And I immediately went online and bought that necklace, <laughs> <laughs> and I wear it. And I just, I, I'm not shocked by that at I, all. 
didn't used to carry a, a knife with me, but now, now I do. Because you got a fidget. I've got like five knives now. <laughs> <laughs> it's great. <laughs> let's let tie up some other loose ends here. To sum up Bahrain, the podium had a Red Bull 1-2 of Max Verstappen followed by Sergio Perez. And coming up in third was Aston Martin's Fernando Alonso. There you go. Carlos Sainz was P4, a whopping 48 seconds behind Max Verstappen. Wow. Uh, and Lewis Hamilton finished P5. Lance Stroll powered through to finish P6 with his broken wrist. Mm. George Russell was P7 with a, was a good little Mercedes sandwich. On oh, there. yeah. They actually Ugh. said that on the they broadcast. Said, yeah, they, they said that on the, the. They have got to stop with those metaphors. I hate the sandwich metaphor. <laughs> Alfa Romeo's mullet man, Valtteri Bottas, <laughs> came in P8. Pierre Gasly was P9. And Alex Albon in Williams was the final point. Good for him. As we mentioned, the fastest lap of the race was Alfa Romeo's Joe Guan Yu. But finish 16 doesn't count. No points, my guy. The second fastest lap was Pierre Gasly, who did finish in the points. But this is not a this is not a participation trophy. If one if the top person doesn't get it, the next person doesn't. Yeah, get we it. don't give out participation trophies in F one. Except <laughs> we do. <laughs> um, the point completely lost to the wind. It's no over. one can get it. The driver of the day was naturally our guy Fernando Alonso, and the DNFs were Oscar Piastri. Esteban Ocon and Charlotte Claire. But I'm curious, who was our driver of the day? And to be clear, I mean this in a mean way. Like, we are not going Fernando Alonso here. We are making fun of everyone. <laughs> it's got to be Esteban Ocon. Esteban, you thought he was pretty good? I thought he was great. That's he amazing. racked up an impressive amount of penalties. Yeah. Like, if you have screwed up that bad where you have multiple, multiple. It has to be on purpose. He had to be trying. I, th- I think he should have gone for a record, and if he did not break the record of most penalties acquired in a race, he should try again in Saudi Arabia. Okay, but if you're like if you're already out there and you've already gotten so many penalties, why retire the car when you could just get more penalties? I was gonna say drive completely out of the track limits. Just go problem for it. solved. Just go to the grocery yeah. store, park it, and go. Nolan, who was your driver? Uh, Nico Hulkenberg, best hair on the grid. You know. Oh yeah, he was he was out there around P nineteen, yeah. going doing his track doing limits great. things. Doing great. Oh, my driver of the day was the scooter driver who picked up Charles Leclerc after his car stopped working. And Charles Leclerc gets on the back of the scooter, and he's holding on to our scooter driver with just his fingertips, basically. That is the most demeaning ride in the world. You have to get on the back of somebody's scooter to go back to the paddock. I would walk. Yeah, I would walk. So I would Get walk. my steps in. Scooter driver, that's my guy, driver of the day. All right, it's time for Boyfriend of the Week. Come on. So, boyfriend of the week, it could be anybody. It's our pick for our favorite person of of the race weekend. It could be a driver, it could be a car, it could be somebody in the crowd that had a funny hat on. I don't know. Uh, this is middle school rules, so uh, it's only for one week. Guys, who's your boyfriend of the week? So, my boyfriend of the week are the wonderful people who made wonderful puns in my Twitter mentions this weekend. So, oh. I posted... About Kevin Magnuson. You'll remember Kevin Magnuson was the only person who started on hard tires for oh, this yeah. race. Everyone else was on softs. And so I took a screen I took a screenshot of the running order and Kevin Magnuson was in last. And I said, You could say Kevin Magnuson is having a hard time out there because he was on hard tires. And my dear friend Zach on Twitter responded, See, one of his problems is bad strategy. And that's a pun. Yeah, because the hard tire, tire 
is the C1 Pirelli compound. So it's like the oh, letter C and the one. number one, wow. C. That's one of his problems is bad strategy. And then someone good. else. I would have not got that. Yes, my dear friend on Twitter, Alper, said, hardly surprising. <laughs> and then after the scooter incident with um, Charles Leclerc, my friend Keith responded, Scooteria Ferrari. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Thank you all, boyfriends well of the week. Well done. Uh, I'll just say my boyfriend of the week was Pierre Gasly going from P20 to P9. Really uh, (laughs) vindicating what I said about (laughs) Alpine (laughs) on our previous episode. Uh, I I woke up Sunday, yesterday morning, Sunday morning, and was like, man, they did not qualify very well. I probably sound like an idiot now, uh, which is not unusual for me. But having uh, P9 secured, I feel pretty good. So Alpine, keep it going. Pierre, great job. Love you. Amazing. Elizabeth, who is your boyfriend of the week? I'm actually selecting a tweet. Oh, here we go. Here we go. This specific tweet comes from Out of Context Total Wolf. Oh, no. Uh, It is Toto walking through the pit lane with a purpose after the race, looking very dour and serious. The caption is, Toto is on his way to get back the engine they gave to Aston Martin. (laughs) (laughs) That was... I. I lost it this morning when I saw that. That was a good tweet. That That's a really good tweet. Yeah. Thank you so much. Out of context, Toto Wolf. I'm glad that it, to be differentiated from in context, Toto Wolf. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Thank you for listening to the Donut Racing Show. We'll be back next week to prep you for the Saudi Arabian Grand Prix and to talk about the always interesting topic of money in Formula One. Mm. Woo! In the meantime, make sure to subscribe and tell all of your friends to tune in to the Donut Racing Show. That is us. Um, yeah. <laughs> and if you want to leave us a five-star and kindly worded review, it really helps us out. If you're not familiar with Donut Media, we also have a YouTube channel. We make car videos. Uh, we also have an automotive history podcast you can check out called Past Gas. We do a lot of different topics over on that show. We just did an episode about uh, Citroen, and Ooh. now I really want a French car. I want a, I want a, I want a, a DS... Uh, follow Donut Racing Show on Twitter at Donut Racing Show. Follow Alanis at Alanis N. King on Twitter and Instagram. And Liz at Aliz underscore Blackstock on Twitter and Aliza Blackstock on Instagram. You follow me on both platforms at Nolan J. Sykes. Thank you very much for listening. Go buy some knives. Bye. Bye.